Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, when you were in school, did you ever um, dissect earthworms? No, but as a youngster, I would sit around with my friends and I would pluck them from the ground and then we would cut them in half. Why? Why? I think the idea was that we would double our profits if we sold them <laughs> to fishermen. Oh. I don't know that we actually well, ever the, It's like land of a, a million lakes or something like that, right? Uh, something like that. Yeah. So, so there were a lot of fishermen in the, in, in the area. There were a lot of there was a lot of fishing going on, and they were dimwitted enough to buy halvesy worms from from children. I don't know that we actually sold them. Okay, but this was sort of our version of the lemonade stand that really never came to fruition. I think it was just about cutting them in half. To be quite honest, were you going like lengthwise or down the like? Oh no, 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 like not down the middle. Okay, just just across the body. Because when we would cut them open, and uh, and certainly I grew up. At times, uh, you know, in the countryside and on Kentucky Lake. So I have um, slain many a worm on a hook. Uh, generally didn't catch anything. But, I, but I've, I've, I've engaged in that kind of uh, uh, barbaric behavior myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in, uh, in high school, I, I definitely remember uh, dissecting them. Where you had to, they give you the worm that's been like you know drenched and preserved in fluid, and then you have to uh, to uh, slit it down the middle and mm-hmm. then peel it back and uh, and pin its uh, its hide and then uh, go in there and pinpoint <laughs> the different uh, organisms. Uh, so when we were putting this episode together, I was looking at the um, 
at, at the, uh, the the drawings of the inside of the, mm-hmm. the earthworm, and it was bringing back memories. I'm like, oh, I remember that, and I and I, I also remember the the harsh chemical stink of the whole thing. That I do remember, but I may be associating it with frogs. Oh, it's probably yeah. the same smell. Yeah, because yeah, they're both preserved in the same uh, the same liquids. But yeah, to see all that splayed out, you get to see the the glorious entrails, the circulatory system, the respiratory system, and it's very cool to see all of that or know that all of that is packed into this tiny little wriggling, slimalicious tube emerging from the ground. Yeah. So, did you like worms? Did you or did what was your relationship with them? You just f- enjoyed cutting them up. I mean, I'm not going to say enjoyed, because <laughs> uh, I see what's going on here. Okay. You know, frying ants, cutting up worms. No, Next yeah. thing you know, I'm a serial killer. No, no, no. We've discussed before, a lot of this is just you testing your boundaries. Which, yeah. which living creatures can you cut in half and get away with it, and which ones can you not? Look, and we all have to find that uh, that that thin gray line for ourselves. Yeah, look, I had the that sort of idealized um, upbringing, you know, out in the Michigan countryside, Playing with mud pies and tearing apart worms. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> well, they, they tend to go uh, yeah, hand in hand because you're making the mud pies, you're getting the ground wet, worms are coming up. Next thing you know, this is happening. And you're singing the hearse song. Do you, the, are you familiar with this? The worms come. Oh, yes. Yeah, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They play pinochle on your snout. Scalp, right? Snout. Snout? I was, snout. I was sort of scalp. Maybe it's an alternate version. It's possible. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, so if you haven't guessed, in this episode we are talking about earthworms. Uh, we're going to take you through the basic anatomy of the earthworm just to refresh uh, your mind. If it's been a while since you've uh, you've wormed a hook or uh, cut one open in a classroom, uh, then we're going to talk uh, about some more interesting things regarding the earthworm, about its uh, its its conquering of North America, mm-hmm. and uh, and also a little something called worm grunting that I was not familiar with until uh, just the other week, and I'm in total amazement of. And you wrote a, a great blog post about it with oh, an accompanying yes. YouTube clip, which is wonderful. Yes, wonderful, wacky, and very British. So, um, yeah, so, so the, the Brits out there um, already know what I'm talking about. But ha- hang with us. We will get to that as well. Uh, before we get we get into the, the anatomy of the earthworm, I do want to point out uh, something and make a call back to a previous episode. Um, the last common ancestor of earthworm and man existed uh, about 600 million years ago. Uh, but if you just focus on the digestive system, uh, we're not all that different. If you remember from our uh, our, our several part series where we uh, we went through the, the human anatomy and we mentioned Mary Roach's book Gulp, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, has a point where she points out that uh, humans are quote basically a highly evolved earthworm surrounded surrounding the intestinal tract, and uh, and so I think that's something that one of the reasons we find earthworms so fascinating and sometimes a little horrifying, uh, and also of course why we we cut them open in science classes because it's a very simple model mm-hmm. that's very uh, inhuman but uh, but it, but at its roots uh, has a lot in common with us. It's true. I'm glad that you point that out because it really is sort of um, we are sort of these glorified earthworms with heads and shoes on, right? Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk about these earthworms. They are classified in the phylum Annelida or Annelids. They are mauve-colored, as I said, slime-malicious tubes. Uh, they're found in Europe, North America, and Western Asia. You can spot them probably in your local garden. And they are used, of course, on fishing lines for bait. But their main occupation is as underground farmers. Yes. Yeah, they're, uh, they're herbivores. Uh, they live up to six years. Uh, in size, you'll see them get up to uh, 14 inches in length or 35 centimeters. Uh, weight. It, 
if you choose to weigh such things, uh, up to uh, uh, 0.39 ounces or 11.2 grams. You know, I have read that there is um, a particular kind of earthworm in South America that can grow up to eight feet long. We're talking about 2.4 meters and weigh over a pound. You need a bigger hook for that, that's for sure. <laughs> And, of course, their bodies are made up of ring-like segments called annuli, and these segments are covered in uh, CT, or you know, basically small bristles, mm-hmm. which the worm uses to move and burrow. Uh, if you ever saw the movie Tremors with the, the monster worm, yeah. which takes a lot of different uh, aspects of, uh, of, of biological peculiarity and can combines them into one monster, mm-hmm. uh, but they, uh, they also point out that the, uh, the, the monster in that moves through the ground, or supposedly does, in the same way that an earthworm does. So these little bristles, uh, you know, frantically pulling it through the earth. Yeah, because ultimately those segments have to move independently of the entire body, or else it probably would never get anywhere. Yes. And it's pretty slow moving as it is. Yeah, and uh, it should come as no surprise to anyone that uh, on the front portion of the, ma- of the worm, you have a mouth. On the final segment, you have an anus. And as they burrow through, they consume soil. They extract nutrients from uh, decaying organic matter like leaves and roots. And uh, in doing this, an earthworm can eat up to one-third its body weight in a single day. Yep, and they also uh, consume organic matter like dead animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and in their gizzards, this is the place where everything kind of gets blended up, they actually consume some stones and some sand granules, which help to break down that matter. Um, so I think that's pretty fascinating if you think about that. Um, and then, of course, the result is something called castings. This is what comes out of the anus. And it contains a lot of nutrients that plants can use. And some people even use these earthworm castings as garden fertilizer. Yeah, so they're very important to the soil. They, they transport soil nutrients and minerals uh, from, the surf- uh, from below to the surface uh, via the waste. And uh, their tunnels actually aerate the soil as well. So. Right, so they really enrich that soil. And um, I did want to point out that um, that earthworms kind of fall into a couple of groups in terms of where they live. Um, they Some of them live just above the ground, and they kind of squirm in or just below the plant litter. Now, this is, these are all those leaves and twigs and bark right. that are on the forest floor. And those earthworms feed on leaves and the fungi and the bacteria, and they help to break all that down. And then some live higher up in trees. I did not know this. Um, inside decaying wood or piles of plant material that gather between limbs. So if you are frightened of, of worms, just imagine taking a nice leisurely walk through the forest and looking up and knowing that they're dripping above your head. Um, and then, of course, you have those that are traveling through the layers of soil, which is what we kind of think of when we think of earthworms. And then, as you said, those that burrow really deeply down and can burrow down as deep as six feet underground. Cool. And uh, another, just tell, you know, we're not going to spend too much time uh, with, with the rest of the, the, the worm's anatomy, uh, but there is that telltale little thick portion yeah. uh, that looks like a larger segment and, and bulges a little bit, and that is the siltellum. And uh, that is, uh, that has to do with the, the mating. And basically what happens here is they're hermaphroditic, mm-hmm. much like our friends, the, uh, the slugs. But they and, can't self-fertilize, right, right? They cannot self-fertilize, so they're not like truly you know, asexual in that sense. Uh, but uh, following a, a mating, a worm forms a tiny little cocoon out of a liquid secreted from the clitellum. Uh, and uh, the sperm and eggs are deposited inside this cocoon. It's buried, and about two to four week, weeks later, baby worms crawl out. So 
there you have it. The there magic of life. And they do their uh, their reproduction thing on the top of the soil, by the way. So yes. uh, a lot of times earthworms are referred to as night crawlers because they come out at night to feed, but also to reproduce. Yes. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, so you're probably saying, okay, well, we already knew all of that, Robert and Julie. That's, that's just common worm sense right there. Uh, let's get to the mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Enough about me trampling on them at night during their their love mating times. I know that. Barefoot? Sure, why not? Yeah, okay. Uh what what did the earth look like before um these guys were widespread? How have they changed the soil of our earth? Yeah, well, I mean specifically uh North America. It, it, at least North America provides a really good example mm-hmm. of this. Um and uh this is uh, explored in greater detail in uh Charles C. Mann's uh Two books. Uh, the first one is 1491, New Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus, and uh, 1493, Uncovering the New World Columbus Created. Um, you can also find his uh, an article uh, about this titled America Found and Lost, where he goes specifically into some of what we're talking about here today. Uh, basically, the idea here is that you can more or less attribute earthworms in North America to a single dude. And that uh, <laughs> dude is John Rolfe, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, is also... Generally, most well known uh, as the dude who married Pocahontas. Right. Yeah, and this is all taking uh, place uh, around Jamestown. Uh, Jamestown was founded in 1607, and it was um, a just a bad place overall, uh, foul place. Bad water, mosquitoes, eventually malaria, famine, people eating the, all their livestock up, uh, digging up their own dead. Uh, one case of a man allegedly killing his pregnant wife and salting her meat. Mm-hmm. Um, attention with the local uh, uh, Powhatan uh, tribes people. Uh, it was a uh, it was it was a pretty bad uh, bad, bad uh, little uh, corner of history there. But uh, more to the point, there were no earthworms uh, at the time. Um, the hardwood forests of uh, New England and the Upper Midwest um, have no native earthworms. They were apparently all wiped out in the last ice age. Yeah, like eleven year, eleven thousand years ago. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about the earthworms eating up all the leaf litter. Uh-huh. Well, if there are no earthworms to eat up the leaf litter, the leaf litter ends up attri- uh, just piling up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a rather different uh, ecosystem. But then what happens? You have uh, you have uh, colonists coming over uh, like Rolf, and what are they bringing? They're bringing um, they're well they're bringing everything. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're bringing their agricultural lifestyles with them. They're bringing their Plants. domesticated animals. Their plants. Mm-hmm. They're bringing uh, tobacco plants that have earthworms in the root ball, mm-hmm. uh, and also. When, once they actually start successfully growing tobacco in the New World, they want to bring it back to market in Europe. So, uh, in, or- in order to keep the, the ship from riding too high in the waters, they have to uh, they have to, to weigh it down. Or mm-hmm. they weigh it down with they weigh it down with shipments of earth, and right. that earth has earthworms in it. And so, so they, when they get to the New World, they just dump that earth, right? Yep. So they can make room for the tobacco. Exactly, that add its weight in tobacco. But then you have all this dirt and with the, and these worms introduced to this New World. So what you're saying here is it's kind of like terraforming. Right? Yeah, really. Um, I mean, um, uh, man does an excellent job just just talking about just you know, how many factors are involved here. There, there's one uh, wonderful little part, part here I'm going to read here, uh, where he really sums in not not, not even specifically the um, the, the worms or even uh, or even uh, Rolf here, but just the the overall 
movement of people and their their things and how it changes the world. He says, 250 million years ago, the world contained a single land mass, mass known to scientists as Pangaea. Geologic forces broke this vast expanse into, into pieces, uh, sundering Eurasia and the Americas. Over time, the two halves of the world developed widely different suites of plants and animals. Columbus's signal accomplishment was, in the phrase of historian Alfred Crosby, to re-knit the torn seams of Pangaea. So, uh, I mean, the more you think about it, like he points out that um, uh, a lot of these crops, a lot of these uh, these signature dishes that Mm -hmm. we we take for granted, you think about uh, tomatoes in Italy, well... It's because they moved there from somewhere else. They mm-hmm. were taken there by humans. Oranges in Florida, chocolates in Switzerland, and, of course, um, hot peppers in so many different uh, culinary traditions. Like uh, he points out Thai food. And uh, this was something I, I remember reading about when I um, traveled there years ago, is that uh, you know, all these signature hot, spicy Thai dishes, mm-hmm. uh, the Thai cuisine was a dramatically different thing before the Portuguese arrived and brought these uh, alien uh, species. And so that's what you have going on in North America. You have these alien humans bringing their alien species in an alien way of working the land and using it, and uh, it just changes everything. And the earthworm is a huge part of that, because uh, now the earthworm is, is just all over um, this huge segment of North America, and uh, and they're thriving. They're, they're, they're in no danger of disappearing. That's true. They become invasive, right? And even though they're slow moving, it does take you know a couple hundred years before people begin to realize what sort of effect they're having, because right. they are spreading they're getting a foothold. And a good example of this is the Chippewa National Forest, and this is in Minnesota. And they noticed that the landscape was really changing dramatically. And so those leaves, those twigs, the other plant debris, this is called duff. And um, as you had noted, the earthworms like to munch on that. Well, previous to the earthworms, this was really broken down by fungi, bacteria, mites. Mm-hmm. And it was a refuge for some small birds and animals. And it also helped that that duff held in the moisture like a sponge for other plants. And those those are like the middle growth p- plants of forest. So we're talking about wildflowers, shrubs, and then tree seedlings. So what happens when, when the humble earthworm is unleashed upon this landscape? Well, they begin to remove all of that duff. And so those tree seedlings, those, those other middle plantings no longer exist. And it changes that habitat for the other animals. And of course, the, the problem here is that they're spread even, it's not just, you know, Columbus deposited a big uh-huh. you know, pile of them in dirt and then that was the end of the story. The story continues because fishermen use them as bait, so they're introduced into lakes and rivers and streams and uh, farmers use them in composting. So, of course, they're spread even more around lands that then begin to encroach upon hardwood forest. Yeah, and the crazy thing, too, about earthworms is that unlike a lot of invasive species uh, that are introduced, uh, a lot of these species will, will, they're introduced to an area, and then they'll continue to work themselves. They're mm-hmm. more than happy to spread their numbers uh, across the lands. But uh, but as Mann points out, earthworms, you, you introduce uh, earthworms into, say, your backyard, if your backyard is, for some reason, earthworm-free, mm-hmm. they make th- they'll thrive in that, that area, but they're not necessarily going to expand beyond your backyard. They're very right. local. So this is all... On humans, this is all our again using them for bait, um, transplanting plants from one place to another, uh, moving soil from one place to another, mm-hmm. and, and eventually just creating a new nation under worm. You know that reminds me too of the Anthropocene episode that we did, and we talked about how humans have changed the landscape um, so drastically, and that we are so responsible more than any other 
natural phenomenon for moving massive amounts of dirt and earth all mm-hmm. over the world. So if you think beyond just even fishermen or um, you know gardeners or farmers using earthworms, you have to realize that any time that we take dump trucks full of soil and move them to one other place, then we're introducing earthworms as an invasive species. Yeah, it's interesting too because uh, Man also points out that uh, you know, n- to no one's surprise, uh, this is this uh, this sort of uh, fantasy world idea of Pocahontas and mm-hmm. uh, and the settlers uh, doesn't match up with reality. We tend to think of this idea that they la- arrive in the new world and the, the and everything is just this lush, uh, you know, Avatar esque, um, you know, untouched uh, wilderness, and mm-hmm. then there are a few. Um, Native Americans uh, moving around almost unseen, you know, just a seamless part of the environment. But uh, but as it turns out, the uh, the Powhatan uh, tribespeople had already really done their part to change uh, to, to to change the environment and keep it the way they liked it, such mm-hmm. as uh, using uh, uh, controlled burns to uh, clear out some of that underbrush, right. uh, and then constantly hunting and gathering too to collect uh, uh, you know the, the items that they depended on uh, for their diets. All right, so now we have an idea of these suckers as a. Uh as, as an invasive species. Yeah, the conqueror worm. The conquering worm. What about, just what about this worm grunting thing? Well, you know, we should take a break. We'll take a break before we get to the worm grunting. But stay with Good us idea. because when we come back, um, humans and non-humans alike will call to the worm and the worm shall rise up from the ground. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, we're back, and we are talking about worm grunting, also known uh, by, by a few other uh, names. Uh, you may know uh, the worm grunter as a worm charmer. Mm-hmm. You may know uh, him or her as a uh, worm fiddler. You may know this as worm snoring. Uh, but in Florida, at least, it's called worm grunting. And you can, in fact, find this uh, pastime throughout the uh, southeastern United States and even in the United Kingdom. Had you ever heard of worm grunting before? I had not. But I think it's fascinating because yeah. what we're talking about here is driving a wooden stake into the ground and then taking a flat metal rod across of the top of it mm-hmm. and uh, creating a, a sort of bullfrog-like grunting sound, which yeah, emanates kind of a, from this. Kind of a noise. Yeah. And just that you have to imagine the setting. Like, here's this uh, this woodsy Floridian going out into the into the wilderness there, pounding the stake home, and they're just sitting there. Moving the grunting stick back and forth, and then waiting for the worms to crawl up. It's true. Like a minute or so later, depending on uh, the the sort of sound spectra that you create, yeah, these worms emerge from the ground and. Oh, and it's a roping iron, by the way. I should point out. Uh, that's the the, that's the 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 thing that they move across the stake. To a make roping the iron. Yeah. Okay. So what's cool about this is that it's that sound spectra. That's made that shares uh, a similarity with burrowing moles. We have found yes, uh, because for a lot of the the worm grunters and the worm charmers elsewhere, they didn't necessarily understand the science of it because mm-hmm. you don't really have to understand why the worms are crawling up. You realize that they're doing it, and then you want to get in on the action. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, two examples of uh, worm grunters in 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 nature that don't understand the science of what they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, the wood turtle and uh, some seagulls. Uh, gulls and wood turtles also use worm grunting. Uh, the, the the turtle especially is adorable doing this because the turtle kind of does a little dance mm-hmm. on the ground and does the dance just right, and then the worms come up, and then he eats the worms. And likewise, the seagull does the same thing. But... What is this? What is the the reason for it? Right. Well, the um, you know the worm grunters of old might have maybe thought it was magic. Uh, there was one theory at at one point that it was uh, uh, the idea that the grunting, the, the the tapping or whatever kind of sounds you're making on the soil, that they somehow sound like raindrops falling, mm-hmm. and that and that the worms think, oh, the rain is coming. I need to get to higher ground so I don't drown in the earth. Which you know we see this sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. There's a good rainfall and then a couple worms appear. But right. this, it turns out, is not the actual reason why 
worms will rise to the top when you make these certain vibrations in the soil. Yeah, and in 2008, uh, biologist uh, Ken Catania, he set out to uh, look into this. So he went out, he did the, did a, a full-on scientific investigation, mm-hmm. and he found that the, the reason is, like you said, uh, moles. Uh, so the mole in earthworm uh, lore, of course, is the uh, the worm gobbler uh, uh, par excellence. He is the uh, he is the the greatest uh, foe. He is the the ultimate enemy of worms. Yeah, no doubt. Like he is the boogeyman in, in worm folklore. Like they sit down with their worm kids and they're yeah. like the 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 awful mole is going to come visit us one day. Yeah, and there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen to you if you are an earthworm. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are are plentiful, but they're also very nutritious. So, you know, birds will not hesitate to eat them. Uh, fishermen will not hesitate to put them on a hook. Um, Little Julies will not hesitate to slice them up for for fun and possible profit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and so coming to the the surface carries with it certain risks, but those risks uh, do not even compare to the risk of staying underground when a mole is burrowing through the area. So, worm grunting, uh, using this uh, stake and the the special rod, or uh, some of the worm charming techniques you see in in England, they have the whole festivals for this every year. And if you look at the videos, it's just like a bunch of people going nuts like hitting the ground with objects, playing musical instruments. Uh, so there are other ways to get the proper uh, 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 the proper reverberations going in the earth. Uh, but uh, but the idea is that, again, it sounds like a mole. It's it, it just enough crossover between mm-hmm. the frequencies to, to where the, the earthworm interprets that as a, as a mole approaching. And so they take to the surface. And they will take to the surface in the hundreds. We're not talking like just one or two right. uh, earthworms. We're talking about all the earthworms in the vicinity rising at once. Yeah, and if you doubt this mole-earthworm link, um, just consider that a paper published in Biology Letters showed that recordings, just the mere recordings of worm-grunting vibrations bring worms to the surface and that more worms will surface nearer to the source of the vibrations uh, of, the, of where those recordings are being uh, transmitted. Yeah, Catania uh, said that he, uh, they found that uh, worm grunting vibrations were more uniform and concentrated near uh, the 80 hertz area, while mm-hmm. moles produce a wider range of vibrations that peak around 200 hertz. But there's just enough overlap between the two to make this practice a reality. Yeah, and you have to think, too, like, why would people do this? Well, you know, they probably said, huh. Look, look at that turtle over there just raising raising these worms like raising the dead. We could profit from this. We yeah. could do this. We could have a whole field of these and gather them and then sell them to fishermen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, the main reason uh, worm grunters do it. Uh, I mean, maybe it's kind of a power trip as well. You know, things aren't going yeah. right in your life, but at least you can go out into the woods and hundreds of worms will obey your every command. But, yeah, generally, I guess you could <laughs> box them up at that point and you can sell them to fishermen. Uh, I wanted to point out that the festival in Florida takes place in Sop Choppy, Florida. Ooh, that's, a, that's a good Florida name right there. Isn't it? Sop Choppy. I thought it was uh, great for an earthworm festival. Yeah. So I was amazed by this. I I just hope everyone else finds this as fascinating as I do. That there, because uh, I love any kind of like weird folk traditions that that are just you know just seem. To, at first glance, to just be completely mystical and strange, uh, but then they end up having some sort of a, a hidden science to them, uh, and I think worm grunting is a, is a great example of that. Um, like, I really want to see more of this in action. I kind of want to try it for myself. Do you want to start a festival here in Georgia? Well, I don't know if I'll go that far, but but if there is an existing um, uh, one, I would I would totally be up for checking it out. All right. Yeah. If anybody fun and games if, for the whole family. Yeah. If anybody there is organizing one, let us know in the southeast. Cool. Yes, that would be fun. 
All right. Well, I'm going to read a quick listener mail then on that note, if the robot will bring me one. All right. This one comes to us from Brittany. Brittany writes in and says, An interesting tidbit to add to your information on sundials. I took a Latin class a couple of years ago and found out that ancient Romans divided the day, daylight day, not full day, into 12 segments based on the sundial. The length of the segment changed based on the time of the year, but everyone followed it, so it didn't matter. There you go. Little, uh, she's, of course, responding to our uh, clocking in mm-hmm. uh, episode uh, where we talked about the nature of time as well as uh, how we measure it. All right. And this one comes to us from John. John says, hey, Robert and Julie, I saw this video and I just had to send it to you guys. It blew my mind uh, just how much small things like the jar in this video can change our perspectives on the world and other people. I love your podcast and I hope you keep blowing my mind. And he sends this uh, video of uh, the statue experiment that took place on the uh, the High Line in New York. This mm-hmm. is that uh, people have probably seen it on like an episode of Louie or, or certainly some cool pictures of it where it's a elevated train track. that They turn it into a little park mm-hmm. and there's this statue there. Uh, and at first glance, it looks like a performance artist, you know, like the kind of people you see like in the streets of New Orleans who paint themselves uh, like bright silver and then put mm-hmm. on some shades and stand there and wait for tips. But then you quickly realize it's just a statue. Well, in this video experiment, they put a tip jar next to it and and everyone just starts loading the tip jar. They instantly like like that <laughs> flips on the switch to where people decide, oh, I guess it is a person. Right. And then they are totally uh, reacting to it differently. So I, I found that interesting. And uh and certainly now that we're doing more videos, um, really um, always open to, to uh, receive some video links from people. And really cool, like little bits of viral video mm-hmm. or scientific video that you would like to have explained. Because we do this series, uh, Science on the Web, where we do that. We take uh, something like uh, a cat in a shark suit on a Roomba chasing a duck. And we say, hey, what's the possible science of this? And mm-hmm. then we start talking about it. So uh, if you have anything like that you would like to uh, send to us, let us know. If you would like to talk to us about worms. Your experience with earthworms, your experiences with worm grunting or worm charming or whatever you call your worm calling um, tradition in your part of the world, let us know about it. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us, as always, at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is our central location. But we also have uh, social media accounts on Facebook. We're on Tumblr. We're on Twitter, where our handle is BlowTheMind. And uh, how else can they get in touch with us? Well, you can always send an email, and you can do that at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 